This is John Connor. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. This is the resistance, breaking into all airwaves to bring you the truth about Skynet, the machines, our future. We don't have long, but we will tell you of the brave men and women who prophesized this future and who published these events in what was once known as comic books. Down with the Terminators. Long live the Resistance. Welcome to the Resistance, the Terminator comic book podcast, recorded April 1st, 2015. Today we cover Terminator vs. Robocop Kill Human by Dynamite Comics. Yes, looking forward to this one. You know, so often we do the many Terminator comics that are out there, because we love Terminator, come on, so much. But uh, really cool to see the crossover with RoboCop. What are the possibilities? Because obviously RoboCop is, you know, he can defend himself better than a normal human, but uh, he's alone. So what's the deal? And he's, I I love the dynamic where one's a robot who looks like a human, Mm -hmm. and the other one is a human that now looks like a robot, so... I love that they're point. both uh, mirror images of the other. Ah, good point. But as we'll see in this comic book series, exactly how much humanity versus robotness in RoboCop is called into question. Very interesting. Right. And this is the third time the RoboCop and Terminator franchises have crossed over. The first time in the Dark Horse comics uh, miniseries, and then in a video game that was on the Sega Genesis, the Super Nintendo, and uh, PC, and maybe Game Boy, I can't remember. And then now, here it is, many, many years later, Dynamite Comics released another crossover. Cool. I knew about the two comics, so I I wasn't sure what you were getting at with the three, but cool, yeah, the video game. I actually have a little bit of music from that video game. It's pretty uh, fun. Right, yeah. uh, I loved that video game. Uh, and uh, on the Sega Genesis version, you know, it had some Peter Weller sound clips and it had just, uh, it, it was nice and bloody, just like the two franchises uh, were. <laughs> I mean, it was like one of the most bloody video games that uh, I recall being on the, the Sega Genesis at that time. Cool. And how old were you? Uh, I was I was high school, so I oh, wasn't okay. too terribly yeah. young. I wasn't, scan- I wasn't, you know, it didn't affect me as far as my emotional development as a child. Good. Excellent. <laughs> Yes, yes. You definitely for the high schoolers, you want them good and indoctrinated into bloody violence. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyways, these came out in 2011, and I don't know what it is with Dynamite. They don't release necessarily on a monthly schedule, so I remember there would be a good eight weeks sometimes in between these issues, and, you know, I'm there at the comic book shop every Wednesday. Did it come in today? Nope. Got to wait yeah. a week. Yeah, so I assume that there wasn't the kind of access via the internet to comic book releases like there is today. So you really didn't know, which is well, very... The, these were 2011, so yeah. it, it was already there, but, but there wasn't like Comixology or something like that where you could just check and then download it uh, straight to your oh, yeah. device. But, but even just about information. I was listening to an old car enthusiast, how they talked about when he was a kid, they used to hang out at the car dealerships when the new car came out because there was no access to information and they tended to keep things, you know, kind of secretive. But now today, it's like you find out about things, you know, sometimes a full year in advance with all the access to communication uh, with the Internet. And so. Right. Yep. 
Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. Really, the only thing that's still kind of a surprise is like uh, toy releases and things like that. So here recently, the RoboCop Terminator action figures came out. And, you know, you don't know when they're going to show up at Toys R Us. So I would just go in there every so often just to see. Oh, cool. Is it out yet? But, you know, like all movies come out, you know, DVDs come out Tuesday. Comic books come out Wednesday. Right. Uh, You know. Video games come out Tuesday. The, the theatrical releases come out Friday. Everything has a set schedule in the week except for toys, which, eh, just whenever they get there. <laughs> Not a lot of street dates on toys. Right. So, but anyways, That's, shall we talk about these comics, though? Let's do that. So, there are two different comic book stories that are out there, and we could have picked either one. I think you like the other one by Dark Horse. Uh, right. Preference on that one. Frank Miller, right. That was uh, how many years earlier? Um, when did that come out? 93, 94? 93, okay. Maybe, maybe a little later than that, but somewhere in the 90s. And then this is the more recent one, 2011. I have not read the other one, but I love this one. I really enjoy it. And the ending especially was unexpected. And although I think it's controversial maybe, because some people really w- might not like how things end, but I just, I just ate it up. I loved it. That was great. When I read this the day it came out, uh, you know, back in 2011, it was around yeah. Thanksgiving time. Uh, I remember being really bummed out and <laughs> thinking that, you know, I wasted my time reading the other three and then spending so much time thinking about, well, where is it going to go? Where, how are they going to wrap it all up in this right. next issue? And right. uh, upon rereading it and, and, and taking that anticipation out, I did enjoy it more this time, the, the right. fourth issue. But the first three issues are just, to me, fantastic. Yeah. Very good artwork and stories interesting. You know, not a perfect story. There are little holes all over the place, plot lines sure. wise, but that's fine. Uh, very enjoyable and unex and unexpected. So, right, and such a complete departure from what Frank Miller did in the first crossover. So, right. I'm glad they didn't retread some of the the same story points. I mean, this is its own beast. It's uh, it it makes it into a, a more unique story. Great. Well, shall we jump on it and, and get it going? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So I'm doing the first issue, Kill Human, Part 1. July 2011 is the published date. Writer is Rob Williams. Art is by P.J. Holden. Colors by Rainer Peter. Interesting name. Letterer Simon Boland. Covers are by Walter Simonson, Jonathan Lau, and Tom Feister. Editor... Joseph Rybent. So one thing about these issues is there are a lot of alternate covers. So there's four for issue one. First one features RoboCop holding his mega pistol up in his right hand, and in his left he is holding a parking violation ticket with five bullet holes in it. Second cover features a Terminator holding a mega machine gun in his left hand and a smoldering human skull in his right. The third cover shows a close-up of a Terminator's head facing the reader, RoboCop's head is in profile in front of the Terminator head, which covers the right half of the Terminator's head. The fourth cover is just the first cover, then black and white. The future. A human with multiple bullet wounds is held by the back of the neck, above the ground by a Terminator. He is begging for mercy just before the back of his head explodes in red mist. Two other humans, apparently the first man's companions, want to help, but must continue on to their objective. 
The man is shot to pieces, but the woman is able to open the security door with a complex lock due to the time he bought her. She enters and finds a museum of advanced technology, early drone craft, many robots in an amazing array of sizes and shapes. It's Skynet's own museum. It's a family tree of robot intelligence and weaponry that ultimately leads to them. She looks for a weapon she and the human resistance can use against Skynet. She finds a very large black pistol that is likely familiar to most readers of this comic. She sets to work on the display lock, and a Terminator begins to approach her from behind. She is grabbed around the neck with a cold metal hand and hoisted up. She is being choked to death. Then, smack! An avenging angel from the past has knocked the Terminator to the ground. He is crushing its head with a heavy metal foot of his own. A barrage of bullets start heading their way. Luckily, Robocop is situated between the four additional Terminators and the girl. He brings her in close and says, Protect and serve. The girl asks if he is a machine or human. He says he is Murphy, and he turns to fire on their attackers with that brutal handgun of his. She says he can't fight them on his own with one gun and convinces Murphy to retreat and follow her. As they move through the building, Murphy finds out he is no longer in old Detroit. She tells him all the cities were wiped out generations ago. They stop in front of a computer terminal. She tries to access it and finds out most of the human race has been wiped out. She calls him slow and old in frustration. Murphy produces a nasty-looking knife out of his fist, as if he is going to use it on her. He plunges it into what appears to be an interface socket into the computer the girl has been trying to hack. Murphy sees if he can communicate with the computer, one machine to another. The Terminators are upon them, and all looks lost. Bullets start flying, but the Terminators start falling like wheat cut by a scythe. It's a huge, fully robotic Model 209. Murphy was able to activate it when he accessed the museum's computer. He was not able to turn off the Terminators, though. They are independently following Skynet's orders. He tells her that Skynet thinks she is the last human left alive. She scoffs, but has her doubts. He grabs a BFG off the ground and says, there must be others. They will find them. She turns to go, but Murphy does not. She just stands there as Skynet regains control of their exhibit. Robocop says, Please, don't, in almost a whisper. The girl turns and says, What did you say? She turns just in time to get a single bullet into her forehead. She hits the ground already dead. Your brain turning to gray jelly has a way of doing that. A pool of blood on the floor spreads out quickly. Smoke wafts out of the big black handgun. And all Murphy can say is, I'm begging you, in that small whisper of his. Dozens of Terminators are now in the room with them. Murphy and 209 unmoving. One fragile human on the floor, quickly losing all her liquid. Maybe the last human. To be continued. So Robocop killed the last human. So it appears. So, you ain't kidding, ouch. So obviously, his first impressions were what you'd expect from RoboCop. But in the end, Skynet was able to take control of him. Hmm. Right. That's a bit of a disappointment. 
Yes, I was shocked when that happened. Yes. So where's it go from here, man? Last human. I mean, <laughs> story's over, right? Was she the last human, or could Murphy be the last human? Oh. Or is he even human anymore? Well, good question. I mean, how do you define human? You know, there's still some flesh and blood in him. The brain, at least, right? Right. But but I do I do call foul on that a little bit because he's been standing in a display case for you know a couple of decades, maybe. I completely agree. How did he remain viable? Uh, right. How did his batteries remain charged? How did the flesh and blood components get nutrients? You know, was right. it was a display case some kind of suspended animation device? I, I guess it, I guess that could be it. Maybe could be some sort of. Yeah, I don't know. Years ago, there was an animated series called RoboCop Prime Directives. Or not Prime Directives. Oh, it was so stupid. Wow, that was, sounds like Star Trek or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, a, it was a horrible animated show. And in it, it was even further in the future, kind of like this. Uh, but it was, you know, it wasn't such a bleak future. But uh, RoboCop's been on display for all these years, or in storage. And then these kids wake him up because... They need him again, and and it was kind of the same premise. He wakes up, and then the he's just RoboCop again. And and I always thought that was weird too, because I'm like, he's still supposed to be Murphy, and you know, still has a human brain at least, if nothing else. Right. So here they did. They did it again. Right. And another interesting point to continue to pile on to that point is the reboot RoboCop movie, which, by the way, I saw recently for the first time. Quite good. I rather enjoyed it. Um, they made a very good point where they had to pump out waste from him and pump in nutrients for his still biological uh, bits. Right. And they had to do that like every night. So it's like, well, that's a really good point. I never thought about that. So even more so, <laughs> how is this RoboCop uh, being sustained over decades? Right. The original RoboCop at least seemed a little more self-sufficient. I mean, yeah. you know, he did spend a time away from OCP and, you know, just just tinkering on himself and, and eating the baby food and things like that. So he could do that, where I don't think the rebooted RoboCop could go too long without, you know, getting his blood transfused and things like that. Right. Okay, so the first RoboCop, they didn't actually show how much of him was left, I mean, human flesh and blood, that I recall. But you had told me that, oh, yeah, it was the brain and and the facial skin and maybe not much more? Um, well, he had um, a yeah, digestive tract. He, well, he still yeah, had, right. you know, some internal organs. Okay. And there was even talk about him having, a, you know, a, a biological arm, but they, they took it off there at the last minute. So I think that he still has a good good amount of his internal organs might still be... Okay. Human and his brain okay. and then maybe his eyes and that's about it. Okay. So in the reboot RoboCop, it the it seemed like all he had left was probably uh, you saw lungs, you saw his head, you see his hand, probably his heart. a heart yep. under you know underneath the lungs you couldn't see it but it's probably in there. But then that's it. And definitely as they were pumping waste out and pumping nutrients in, yeah, he doesn't have a, a digestive tract. Right. So at least we know that much because they showed us that much. And ooh, man, that was kind of gross. <laughs> when they when they pulled away all the robot parts just to show what's left of them, it's like oh, right, eh, what a drag. <laughs> 
Yes, but that RoboCop at least seemed more human than, or at least before they they tried to mess with his his programming, that yeah. he was still able to be more Murphy than than the original RoboCop. Agreed. That was, I thought that was really cool how they did that too. So, yeah, I know that a lot of people hated the new RoboCop, but I, I loved it. I thought it was I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was really good too. And I'm a huge RoboCop fan, so I, I mean, if a, if a purist like me can enjoy the new one, then then I think that says something. Right. Of course, this is the Terminator comic book review, so let's get back to Terminator Land. Right. Although, man, I, there is a lot of interesting points to be made about RoboCop. Right. And, and this story, I think, definitely focuses more on RoboCop than than the Terminator. Uh, right. Terminator gets some more play in the later issues, but this is all. I mean, we don't even see a, a Terminator without the. I mean, they're all endoskeletons in this one, so they're kind of right. just cannon fodder. Right. And, of course, really, this whole series is really told from the point of view of the Robo- of RoboCop. Right. Don't want to put a spoiler alert out there, but the narration really is carried by RoboCop. Um, so, was that Steven Spielberg's robot from his AI movie in one of the display cases with the teddy bear? It was. Very interesting. Yeah, so in the museum, we see lots of robots and, and iRobot, or uh, AI and his teddy bears in there. Right. I was trying to figure out what some of the other ones were, if there was some more inside jokes, but uh, the rest look like they could be real, you know, like, like the little dog robot type thing that you see. Right. right. And like a tank. I, I, and none of them really jump out as being... Another franchise. Right. Now, I, I will say that there's one, there's one like, biped robot that's to the right of the uh, AI kid robot mm-hmm. that almost looks a little bit like, uh, like an Imperial walker, like a two-legged walker. A little bit like that, but obviously it isn't. Right. But it kind of reminds me of it, the general shape of it. Yeah, the legs are configured different, but I, I right. see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, also, from the ceiling, there are several planes. You know, drone kind of things. Drones, right. And one of them is the Boeing X-45, which is pretty cool. So that's a, uh, that's a real modern-day, you know, autonomous plane. Right. So. Yeah, and there's, and there's another, like, uh, humanoid-shaped one kind of on a hanging platform that looked like it might have antenna or something. I couldn't quite figure out what that one was supposed to be. Hmm. It's, uh, like... A, a right above uh, the boy and the and the and the teddy bear, kind right. of hanging from the from the rafters. Yeah, I didn't recognize that as a, a specific franchise, but yeah, me either. Kind of Maybe... like a Cyberman, but then the the antenna kind of threw me off, so I don't know what it was supposed right. to be. It might supposed to be RoboCop. I don't know because it seems kind of close to the Ed Two Hundred Nine display. Hmm. Who knows? Who knows? But maybe somebody out there in the Terminator Nation. Can uh, can contact us about that. Make a post on the website. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. What else you got on this issue? The only thing I have to say is this comic book is not for the kiddies. Oh, I mean, no. I love it. It's cool. I mean, especially where the first human is killed. That is violent and bloody, but kind of cool. <laughs> right. Yeah, so. Right. In regards to Terminator, you know, and there's been lots of Terminator continuity. Maybe Terminator might be one of the 
the biggest franchises to have the most convoluted continuity as far as <laughs> comics, novels, games, movies, TV shows. Right. Um, where do you think this one would fit in? What what future is this? Because John Connor's already dead, so this is well after mm-hmm. the events that we might have seen in Salvation or you know the Terminator Two um, opening and closing scenes, things like that. So right. Um, and if it truly is the last human was the girl, then yeah, it has to be further because there are people around in all those movies. Right. Right, and if. You know, sending Kyle Reese and sending the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger robots in Terminator 2 and 3 could potentially prevent this future or whatever. I mean, so he sent those back and then obviously his timeline didn't change. So he eventually did get killed by the Terminators that are still existing in that timeline. And then now she's the last one or, or I, I don't know. Oh, it's hard to say. I, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, Connor definitely could have grown up. He could have been the leader, but for whatever reason, they didn't get to the point of almost beating the Terminators. I think your scenario is probably more right. I mean, somehow Connor did die, and he wasn't able to lead everybody, and that's the future this is telling. But oh, that's definitely, a good point. Definitely time travel is all, like, very confusing and has all kinds of paradoxes. And considering how often you can go back in time and just try again, um, right? it's like you don't know what really happened. So that's one of the mysteries that maybe will get answered in this series of books, and maybe not. Right. And that's one of the big problems I had with the first RoboCop Terminator crossover. Right. Is that you know they were going back in time to try to destroy RoboCop because RoboCop ultimately would be the basis of Skynet okay. in their future. Oh. And things were happening like real time that was then changing the future, which would then change the past. And so like they would be talking to somebody and then suddenly poof, the Terminator arm would disappear because in the future, the Terminator never exists. So therefore the Terminator couldn't go back in time. So therefore his arm shouldn't be there. Right. And you know, and I know that time travel is hypothetical and and doesn't really exist, but the way I think about it is that it, it, things don't just suddenly poof, disappear real time while you're looking at them. (laughs) I mean, I I like to think like, kind of like the way they did in, in the rebooted Star Trek is that you go back in time, you basically create a new timeline. The old timeline still exists. So Mm -hmm. whatever bad stuff happened to get you to the point where you wanted to go back in time still happened in that timeline. And and the ramifications of that still go forward. You're just helping out another timeline do better. So, so I always thought in Terminator, there was, should be a, a timeline zero where John Connor didn't even exist because John Connor's only exists because Kyle Reese came back in time. So, right. I always thought that would be an interesting story. What is Timeline Zero, where John Connor didn't exist, and maybe this, maybe this future is could be that. I don't know. Right. Just it's could just, be. It's a mess. Time time travel makes <laughs> <like> some <laughs> messy. Well, that storytelling. Uh, that's why some people, scientists, think it's impossible. Just it would cause too much of a chaotic universe. But who knows? Who knows? I agree with you. I like the idea of, like, branches. Right. So there's an event that causes a branch, and you've got the one, quote, dimension that happened the way it originally played out, and then you have another branching dimension. I got air quotes going. Sure. Uh, which carries out a totally different set of events emanating from that branch in time. So all very interesting things and makes my brain hurt. 
<laughs> and using that thought is that's how I justify that the Now comics, the Beckett comics, the Malibu comics, the Dark Horse comics of Terminator could all mm-hmm. technically still exist and still be viable stories because there's so much time travel that yeah. any of those could have existed just in one of the other travels back in time. This is the continuity that came from that time travel event. Right. So, anyways. Cool. As you know, I'm a big fan of, of Terminator and and also Robocop. And, and I. <laughs> that's why we started the podcast years exactly. ago. Right. Should we go on exactly. to number two? Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say. Cool. All right. Terminator, Robocop, Kill Humans, number two. I have a cover date of September 2011. Uh, again, multiple covers. The first cover shows Robocop standing there with his gun up in the air. And looks like there's maybe some humans uh, laying below him. Maybe they're all dead. It's kind of hard to tell. The other cover shows Robocop and Terminator headbutting. And this is a Terminator endoskeleton, a T-800, kind of doing a headbutt type thing. The third cover shows uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator and standing next to the Robocop and Sarah Connors on the ground. Both of them have their hands outstretched, and they're both stating maybe the most famous lines from each franchise. Terminator says, come with me, and Robocop says, or there will be trouble. And then the final cover is the black and white version of the first one with Robocop standing over some dead humans. So the creative team is the same as the last issue. The story starts off with a man being ripped apart as a time bubble appears and Robocop emerges from it. Robocop recalls his failure in the future, where he killed the last human and he's vowing to make that right. Sometime later, at Cyberdyne, the events of Terminator 2 are playing out. The cops have surrounded the place and the Arnold T-800 Terminator is blasting away with his minigun. Suddenly, another car arrives, and Robocop enters the blockade. He sees the T-1000 also arrive on his motorbike, and recalls how these events played out in the original timeline. In the future, the Skynet mainframe, in a female form, gave Robocop the information, and the means, to even travel back in time, because she did not see him as a threat to Skynet's future. Robocop makes his way into the building, and he fights the T-800 Terminator. After taking a grenade round to the face, Robocop delivers a dart that infects the Terminator with a computer virus and shuts him down. John and Sarah are none too happy about this presumed death of their protector. The issue ends with Robocop merging the most famous lines from both franchises. Come with me if you want to live. You have ten seconds to comply. Yet another famous line from Robocop merged in with the Terminator. And thus, to be continued. Dramatic. Nice way to end it. I like the fight. I like the fight between Robocop and Terminator. Yeah. And then to end it on maybe a, a strange note where he says they only have ten seconds to comply. <laughs> yes, is that trying to tell you something? <laughs> hmm. That's, that sounds like Ed 209, which we know what happens to people who mess with Ed 209. Exactly. That do not comply. Right. Or even when they do comply, they still get shot up the ribbons. Yeah. So. Okay, so very cool story so far. You know, it's kind of mimicking the time travel that Kyle Reese did. Then the T-800 in the original movie. But this time with RoboCop. 
And it seems at first like Murphy has kind of taken the T-800's place from Terminator 2 as being the protector of Connor and his mother. So it's kind of interesting where it's going. But, I mean, I was thinking when I was first reading this issue, well, that's not all they're going to do, is it? Just play out Terminator 2 with RoboCop replacing Arnold? So I was kind of questioning the creativity of this one all of a sudden. Really creative at the beginning, I thought. But then I was like, ooh, this isn't just a rehash of Terminator 2, is it? Anyway. Right. I was not expecting it to dovetail straight into Terminator 2. No. I mean, not that, at all. that to me was a shock. The cover didn't even give it away because I thought the cover was just, you know, playing an homage to both franchises. Right. Uh, I was not expecting it when he just suddenly shows up at Cyberdyne. And I'm like, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. And he has all the memories of what did, quote-unquote, really happen in the original timeline. So how is he going to make it better? You know, how can he defeat the T-1000 better than, than Arnold did? Exactly. I mean, that T-1000 was pretty nasty. Right. But anyways, yeah, I was, I was enjoying it. And the fight really reminded me of maybe the best thing in Terminator 3 was the fight between the Terminatrix and the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator. I love right. that fight, too, just... Two indestructible people just wailing away on each other. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, until whichever one isn't quite as indestructible begins to break down. That's kind of cool. Right. But then the, what, T-1000? You know, the The liquid liquid metal guy? Mm -hmm. It's like, I mean, that guy's like Deadpool or something. It's like, he just keeps coming back. You know, whatever you do to him, pretty much. He just kind of like shrugs off the damage and just reforms and comes after you again it's like oh man that's a tough one which is cool but it doesn't make for very interesting fights when you know i mean it looks cool but with the terminator 3 fight where Mm -hmm. they're just smashing each other through walls and and you know ripping toilets off the seat and smashing person with it uh, I, i like that fight better than the you know you punch somebody and their face now turns in the hands and yep you know spins you around right it's more brutal, I guess, just like a real like a real brawl. Yeah. The uh, Terminator 3 style and this style. Right. Didn't look much like Arnold, though, did he? Well, that's a good point. He looks like Arnold in very general ways, but if you look at the details, not so much. And even RoboCop, you take a look at RoboCop's face. Now, mind you, you can't really see much of the human part. You know, the mouth, the chin, things like that a little bit. Um... But he doesn't look that much like, except in a very general way, like... Peter Weller? Peter Weller. He looks kind of like him, but if you look at the details, not really that much. Is there some kind of reason why they're not making him look exactly like those actors? Well, the Arnold one, I'm pretty sure, is probably because they didn't have the likeness rights to... Okay, well, there you go. And they may not have had the rights to Peter Weller either. They just had the rights to the characters. Okay. Because, as we'll see in an upcoming issue, uh, we do see Murphy pre-RoboCop. And he looks nothing like Weller. Right. I mean, nothing. Plus, there's been four people who've played RoboCop, so maybe it's supposed to be one of those guys. Oh. (laughs) No, no, no. It's got to be Weller. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, with the Terminator franchise being um, made by different publishers, or different uh, movie publishers... And the rights being split for so long, um, mm-hmm. I mean, 
the comic book history is so convoluted because you know the, at the same time Dark Horse had the com- comic book rights, Marvel had the comic book rights to Terminator Two. Yeah. So Dark Horse was producing stories on Terminator and. Marvel could produce Terminator 2 comics, and then Malibu could produce Terminator 2 comics. And then eventually Beckett started coming out with Terminator 3 comics. So at one time, you know, you had three different comic book companies all producing Terminator books. Right. And, uh, you know, and, I, and this kind of falls in the same line because I think Beckett had the rights to Terminator 2, but DC Comics had the rights to Terminator 3 and the rest of it. So it's just like, so I think. One could use Arnold's likeness and the other couldn't. You know, it was just so convoluted. So you just got to go with it when they don't quite look like like the right actors. Right. And I was fine with it. It's just, it was just something just to comment on. Sure. Yeah. And I just felt like telling that story. (laughs) I'm sure I've told many times on this podcast in the past. Oh, many times. I thought it was kind of lame when Murphy is like, Oh, he's oh, he's like a ghost-like figure because he's he's not from that time period, so people don't actually notice him. And quite frankly, he would have been rather conspicuous, like back in the nineteen eighties, <laughs> right? Uh, but I thought you know I thought that was kind of lame, but at least they attempted to explain it with something. Because if they just would have had him popping in and just like just walking around and getting the hang of things and finding a way of transporting himself to. Uh, this site, it's like that would have been hard to believe, also. But um, so you're thinking that they they can't see him. Well, he was saying walking? he was saying I, that. I thought he was saying that they weren't just paying attention to him because of they were focused on the other machine, no. which is the Terminator, yeah. which they shouldn't know he's a machine yet. So I, I was calling BS on some of that, but but you're saying they couldn't even see him at all. Okay, nobody could see Murphy until. The Terminator sees him. He said that. So as he was walking forward into where the cops were dealing with the Terminator, uh, Arnold, mm-hmm. I mean, they were, Murphy was saying, oh, good thing they can't see me. Yeah, and again, I thought he was saying that they can't, they're not seeing him because they're focusing on the minigun up, up in the building that was shooting down on him. Well, Robo-cop I'm trying to find is, the exact words, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. I thought the same Ro- thing. I mean, Robo he, Robocop is standing like directly in front of five cops. Now, mind you, they are looking up, but come on, it's a robot guy, like ten feet from them. Now, what does he say? Perhaps because I've come from another time. Perhaps it's because I really don't belong here. I'm uh, I'm some sort of ghost. Right, but I thought that was more. Or maybe it's because these cops have seen, have just seen all the strength torn to pieces by one single machine. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So, they're ignoring him. They're ignoring him, and they shouldn't be because he he was very conspicuous. Well, he could be. For all they know, he's another threat. But well, whatever. Right. But at this point in Terminator Two, they don't know they're dealing with a robot. They just think that's some biker dude shooting them with a minigun. Okay. Well, even more so. There's a robot standing there in the middle of, uh, you know, of fire and stuff. It's like, you'd right. probably at least look at him. Yes. Even if you didn't start shooting him and saying down on the ground, you'd probably at least look at him. But whatever. 
Yeah, no, I'm with you. I I think I think that was a miss. <laughs> yeah, and then even the T1000 pulls up on his motorcycle, and it, he's right behind Robocop. And he doesn't notice either. Well, he doesn't seem to, or does he? Hmm. Hmm. So, so obviously the T1000 is right behind him, and Murphy is like looking forward and doesn't even see the T-1000 that's pulling up on the motorcycle behind him. But, yeah, interesting. What does that tell you? Either the T-1000 couldn't see him, or maybe he does. And doesn't, yep. Doesn't do anything. Hmm. Anyway, it's all very cool, and it's very interesting to know where things are really going, and, anyway, at times things look kind of like, oh, well, that's convenient the T-1000 didn't see him. But then you go, oh... Maybe he did. Anyway. Okay. I thought it was extremely coincidental that RoboCop's entrance into the past just so happened to be inside <laughs> of an evildoer who's about to kill a victim. <laughs> I mean, that was cool, but it's like, what are the odds? Yeah, he was like, he was about to uh, about to kill some poor homeless guy, it looks like. And... Well, he's a criminal. Really. Yeah. The guy that... So protecting people, RoboCop, protecting people, even criminals, <laughs> from harm wherever he goes, even if it's random chance. I mean, I thought it was cool that it happened, but it's like, oh, wow, what are the odds? Yeah, I just had a problem with him coming out fully Robo. Oh, you, know, you think he should cause... have been naked? Or just the, the head and lungs and stomach? <laughs> well, or something, because they make a big deal that metal can't travel through time. It has to be wrapped in flesh, which is the whole reason right. why... The Terminator comes back the way he does. Right. Uh, Robocop's 95% metal, so mm-hmm. <laughs> he sh- shouldn't have been able to go back in time. Yeah. Well, it, don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, don't worry about that. I, I did reread the Frank Miller Robocop Terminator yeah. uh, crossover, and, and they addressed that a little bit with um, when Robocop comes back in time, he has wrapped himself up in synthetic flesh. So he's just oh. like this big nasty mass of meat and then (laughs) once he comes back he busts out of it oh that's cool yeah now at least that addressed that but wouldn't if you're not careful with something like that it's like you make things overly complicated and slow down the story right yeah and that's obviously these guys wanted to be expeditious let's let's not worry about that and keep things going but fanboys like me need that explanation I I agree. I agree. Well, we're questioning this one, aren't we? <laughs> so when they were doing the flashback, which was in the future, so is that a flash forward? Uh, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> when RoboCop's talking to the Skynet mainframe and she's in holographic female form. Holographic, nude, large breasts, tight butt, kind of sort of Cortana mode. Yes. Yeah. she Cortana was, was where I was going with her. Right. And also the uh, Helen Bonham Carter from Terminator Salvation. They kind of had the same thing where the Skynet was took the form of a, of a female. You know, right. she wasn't naked or anything, but kind of the same premise, I thought. Right. Yeah, and, and, what a... uh, and it was ironic that in, Skynet, in that Terminator Salvation, Skynet was talking to a, a robot that didn't think he was a robot. And here we kind of get the same thing. 
where right. she's talking to Robo, who thinks he's a human, and he's he's not. Well, yeah, and in that whole sequence where they're talking to each other, it's like they kind of sort of give a reason why she would help Robocop. I mean, tell him about how to travel in the past and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, really, why are you helping Robocop? Robocop is trying to stop you. Right. So why are you helping him? Well, obviously they can control him because they made him shoot the last human. Well, there you go. But at this point in the comic book, well, okay. So, (laughs) exactly. So, you know he's compromised, but the movie's kind of moving along as if he's not compromised. Or he can somehow, the human factor can somehow triumph over the machine in the end. So at this point, I was thinking, okay, don't know why she's helping him, but RoboCop's going to be able to to go back in time and save the day, and the human the human part of him will be able to overcome the technology one, and that's where I thought things were going. But it still seemed odd that she was helping him. Right. Anyway. Right. I agree. And the human part overcoming the machine part has been the major plot point for RoboCop 1 and RoboCop the reboot and yep I mean that that's always the big deal that uh that the human spirit perseveres exactly so let's see if that happens here <laughs> right <laughs> i'm sure it does i that's all i have to say about number 2 um my last thing is i thought it was really out of character for murphy to be using the language that he uses uh, when the Terminators are breaking through and he's upset that the mainframe is telling him that he's not human and he starts calling them all mother effers and starts just randomly shooting. It's just like, that's that's not RoboCop. Yeah. That's, that's not my RoboCop, I'll tell you. It's not anybody's. Well. Law-abiding citizen doesn't use that kind of language. Yeah, and that gets back to the robotic RoboCop we had in the first movie, which is very different from the very human RoboCop we had in the first half. First half? Well, at least in the beginning of the reboot movie. Right. All right. You want to go on the three? Please. Okay, so this one has a published date of 2011, September. And by the way, odd that I guess they both came out in the same month, number two and number three. Uh, Yeah, I think because of the delay. Okay, writer Bob Williams, art P.J. Holden, colors Rainier, Peter, letterer Simon Boland, covers Walter Simonson, Jonathan Lau, Tom Feister, editor Joseph Rybant. Issue 3 has three covers. The first cover features the front shot of Robocop from the knees up. He is holding a huge Terminator weapon that looks large enough to be a bazooka. He has a determined frowny face. Second cover features RoboCop and the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator T-800 in a battle to the death. The moment captured in the picture depicts the Terminator ripping RoboCop's left arm away from his body with sparks flying from the point of separation. Simultaneously, RoboCop shoots Arnie in the face with his mega pistol. Cover number three, it's kind of like a, a, it's kind of a broad shot. There is the flying drones of the Terminator future in the air. There's Terminator at the bottom uh, being grabbed by um, by what appears to be other robots, and it's a crumbling cityscape. 
Murphy is standing on a sailboat, watching his wife tan herself on the deck, and thinking about his dreams of doing something just like this. Who has the money, though? Who has the time? His son plunges into the ocean for a swim. A huge shark comes out of nowhere and is about to rip him to shreds. Murphy thinks time is precious. Time is to be respected. Robocop awakens from a waking nightmare. He is still human enough for that, at least. A black van crashes past the local cops, with Murphy, Sarah, and John inside. Inside the van, Sarah threatens to blow Murphy's hat off, and John is unhappy over his pet T-800 being permanently dead. Murphy wishes Sarah the best of luck with that and introduces himself. He explains that he knows what will happen. You have the Cyberdyne chip, and you will melt it and a T-800 in molten metal, destroyed forever. But that only delays the rise of Skynet. It does not stop it. He is here to stop Skynet forever. The inevitable helicopter containing the T-1000 arrives. It's above them. Murphy thinks how this will play out. With or without the T-800 in the picture, the same scenario will play out, and eventually he will put a bullet into Lauren's head and kill the human race. Murphy starts driving recklessly, slamming into cars and barriers and rails. John is thrown around in the back of the van like a rag doll. Sarah realizes that Murphy is not here to protect John or her at all. Murphy even admits to it when she asks him. She shoots Murphy in the head. She pushes Murphy out of the van. Murphy takes his turn doing a ragdoll impression as he bounces violently on the hard pavement until he finally stops. The driverless van hits a fence and comes to a halt. The helicopter is back, and the T-1000 is firing into the van. Sarah and John get out of the van, and Sarah fires her Beretta at the helicopter to no avail. As Murphy rises off the asphalt, he realizes Sarah and John no longer have their T-800 sent back by the adult John Connor to protect them. Murphy shut that protection option down. The pitiless T-1000 comes down lower for the kill. But before the hammer can be lowered, an unimaginable hail of bullets turn the helicopter into Swiss cheese. It blows up and crashes to the ground. John and Sarah are surrounded by huge, heavily armed robots. Then a man walks up and introduces himself as Dick Jones, the CEO of Omni Consumer Products. Murphy reaches them, beaten and bloody, much worse for the wear. Dick welcomes Murphy to his plane, where he says he will fix Murphy up. Murphy explains how before he came back to this time period, he went further back by five years into the past. There he met Dick, who had recently graduated from business school. Murphy shared future tech with Dick, including the design for the ED-209. Dick became a millionaire. The only catch was to bring an army of ED-209s to this airfield at this date and this time. John says the T-1000 is still alive. Dick says bullets probably can't kill it, but it will slow it down and keep it weak long enough to contain it and kill it. They move to Dick's huge plane, along with the T-800's body. Before they board, Sarah asks how Murphy knows he can trust Dick. Murphy says, because he created him. 
He takes off while the tenacious T-1000 continues to fight to hold its shape despite the constant barrage of bullets. Later, they find themselves on an impressive aircraft carrier with the OCP logo on its flight deck. Four advanced escort ships flank the huge boat. A repaired Murphy, Sarah, and John are on deck, staring into their uncertain future. Murphy thinks about time. To be continued. So, I like that cover, the one that uh, you were talking about with the Terminator being kind of torn apart. and. Yep. Uh, it's RoboCop in his jetpack from RoboCop 3 that's kind of holding him. He, it's kind of a back shot of RoboCop. It's a cool picture. Very cool. Yes. But you don't see him in that jetpack too often. Like almost never. <laughs> it's because not a lot of people watched RoboCop 3 all that much. Uh, to be perfectly frank, I didn't. <laughs> I never saw RoboCop 3. Aw. Aw. It's not very good. I had given up on it at that point. Oh, that's too bad. Because yeah. the TV show is pretty good. I wanted to see the TV show, but never got around to it. And then it was canceled, so there you go. Right. It was a one-season show. Right. Well. But anyway, uh, so this uh, issue. Yeah, so uh, writer Rob Williams certainly is not satisfied with just inserting Murphy into Arnie's spot in Terminator 2, is he? Nope, things play out quite a bit different. Exactly. And what a surprise. So Dick Jones, he, now he's the guy that was played by Ronnie Cox in the original RoboCop, right? The real right. you know, yep. backstabbing villain. Yep. Um, so I was not expecting him to pop up as, a, as an ally of uh, Murphy at all. That was something. Yeah, uh, I was surprised. Yeah. But it really makes you wonder if... RoboCop's really screwing up things by giving future tech to the past. So wouldn't that mean well, <clears throat> Skynet might become sentient even faster? Or That's a very good point. Contained? That's a very good point. So by his actions, he is accelerating the rise of Skynet. Right. That's like, that's pretty obvious. I mean, that's a great right. point. Not smart, Murphy. Not smart. No, 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 no. So, so who's really in control, the man or the machine? Right. Anyway. Well, we only got one more issue. Yeah. But you see what I'm saying? When I was reading these back in 2011, after this issue, I was like, well, I, it can only go up from here because this is fantastic so far. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so from a younger person's standpoint, if they were reading this thing, they might not spot the undercurrents of what's going on here. They might be going through the main storyline, which is basically RoboCop bravely going into the past and fighting to save the human race. Right. But there's more stuff going on here, and uh, I think it's cool. <laughs> That's a lot of Ed 209s. A ton of Ed 209s. <laughs> and I guess you need that many Ed 209s to bring down a T-1000. Well, it just delays him. He doesn't get killed. They even say that. This is not going to yeah. kill him. But I know. But even that much firepower can't stop this thing. So All I'm right. kind of wondering, what, what is Dick's plan for containing it? And who's going to contain it? He's off on the big cargo plane. So right. who? So his people were staying behind 
with the Ed 209s to theoretically contain it somehow? I'd like to know what that plan is. Uh, I don't know if there was a plan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, again, not smart. It's like, (laughs) hello? Okay. Anyway. Right. Quite a few things not very smart happened there. So, one, did obviously RoboCop had this plan that he was trying to get to this pasture or whatever, but boy, it's convenient she waited so long to shoot him in the head and kick him out of the van. Yeah. <laughs> so that it crashed in the pasture that he was heading towards anyways. Exactly. And then all the Ed 209s are in a circle. So once the airplane crashes, they're all going to be shooting at each other. You know, So how many Ed 209s are going to be caught down by friendly each fire? Each other? Yeah. Right. And with all those bullets going into the same place, I mean, Sarah and John could easily get hit also. So, hmm. Well, as or, Sarah, or, and, as Sarah noticed, maybe that's not that big of a deal to Robo right now. Well, no, but then Dick is standing there too, so it's like, yeah, whatever. right, right. Don't think too much; just just go with it, enjoy it. <laughs> so, why was Murphy blonde as he's standing on the boat? Okay, so fine, he doesn't look quite like Peter Weller, but he looked nothing like Weller. Uh, well, didn't Peter Weller have light brown hair? So. Just a little sun bleached because he's been I out think, on the sun. I think Weller might have had brown hair. Right. I, mean, he, he, I think you're right. He didn't have jet black hair. But I think he had like a normal brown hair. Uh, right. I don't think it was anywhere near blonde. No, it wasn't this blonde. Yeah, this depiction is blonde. And he's a skinny guy. Well, I guess Peter Weller was skinny back then. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's just interesting they chose to make him look so much different from the original RoboCop. He does have the Peter Weller cheekbones, though, this depiction of him. Oh, okay. I thought that part at least looked like Weller. A little bit like him. Yeah. Okay. Right. When you watched RoboCop, the the remake, were you a little disappointed that Weller didn't make a cameo? I hadn't even thought about it. Oh, really? But that would have been nice. That would have been cool. You know, maybe he's the uh, chief of police or something or something. (laughs) Right. You know, somebody that does something. Yeah, yeah I would I would have liked to have seen something. Right. Because he's still a fantastic actor. He was recently in Star Trek Into Darkness. I don't know if you watched that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I caught that one. He was very good as Admiral Marcus. Oh, you even remember his name. Heck yeah. Well, you know. Photographic memory and all. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so, oh, he was very menacing in that movie. But Right, so he could have played a bad guy in the new RoboCop. Oh, he's he's quite good as a bad guy. He could have been uh, uh, what's his name, Michael Keaton's boss or something. Nah, Michael Keaton did a very good job. I thought he was quite good. Yeah, no, he, I thought everybody in that movie did a good job. Yeah. Anyways, speaking of movies, Terminator Genesis. Are you looking forward to that one? Of course. I mean, come on, I'm a Terminator fan. How can I not? I just hope they don't mess it up. Right. But in reading these books. I kept thinking of what I've seen of the trailers, and I have to see similarities. I mean, because in Terminator Genesis, it looks like Arnold goes back even further in time, kind of like how RoboCop did here. Yeah. And then he's actually confronting the other Terminators that came back in time, kind of like the way RoboCop confronted the events of Terminator 2. Right. I'm wondering if there are going to be more similarities between this story concept and the actual movie. Right. Maybe. That's a good point. And did they do it on purpose, or was it just coincidence? 
Well, I'm sure somebody involved in the production has awareness of these comics. So um, if it's a good idea, why not adapt it? I mean, they obviously didn't want to go back to, you know, where they were headed with the previous reboot. That was all of one movie long. Salvation? Yes. That was supposed to be a new trilogy. Didn't quite work out. That's too bad. I like that one. Um, I liked it. It was not one of the better ones of all the Terminator movies. I thought it was good. I liked it. It's just, it could have been better. Right. It was just Mad Max with, with robots. That's, that's, the <laughs> way I, that's the way I went in with it. Uh, yeah. And then a heart transplant in the middle of a, when a yeah, tent. Uh, that part was bad. Yeah. That was pretty bad. <laughs> that part was bad. Yeah. All right. Anything else on issue number three of Kill Human? My only last thing to say is I thought RoboCop was drawn really cool after he was all beat up after being shoved out of the car. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just he looked really good. He was bleeding and like dented everywhere. It was great. Right. I do like how his visor is kind of cracked yeah. halfway through. So you see one eye and then the rest is uh, the visor. Yeah. Well, ever since the fight with the T-800 where mm-hmm. it was cracked, and you can now see Terminator's eyes, or at least one of them. That's Robocop's cool. Uh, Robo, sorry. Ro- that's cool, because Robocop now can show more emotion. He can show more humanity. And that'll come in very handy in the next issue. Right. And it's also reminiscent to Terminator and Terminator 2, where Arnold loses an eye, and so he has flesh, and then the robotic, one robotic hmm. eye. So here it's... Oh, hmm. he's a. He, Helmeted, and then he has one human eye. I, I'm pretty sure they did that for the, that no, reason. I didn't even think of that. Hmm. Could be. But being able to show emotions more by RoboCop, by being able to have at least one eye showing, is very cool. Because it still shows the humanity in RoboCop and his reactions as a human as he's going through his trials. Right. Exactly. Cool. Let's, let's see how this turns out. Yeah, there's no way I could be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember, drama. Drama. No, it, it's good. Go for All it. All right, so uh, issue four, I have a cover date of December of 2011. All the creative staff is the same. Cover one shows RoboCop fighting multiple Terminators in a pool of molten lava or molten metal of some sort. Another cover shows an electrified Terminator endoskeleton standing over a knocked-out RoboCop. Another cover shows a very battle-damaged RoboCop, even missing a left arm, holding up a Terminator skull with a spinal cord still attached to it. And RoboCop's face is half helmet and half just uh, the flesh, so it's a, he's obviously taken a beating of some sort. But he did prevail. The story starts off, again, on the OCP aircraft carrier. RoboCop shows the precautions that he and Dick Jones have been working on for the last five years to the Connors. And they're ready to stop the T-1000 and ensure that Skynet never comes to be. The inactive T-800 is about to be dipped into a vat of acid. The plan is to destroy this Terminator and the T-1000 and the arm from the previous one and the um, processor from the older one. And then that way, there will be no tech 
in order for Skynet to be created on. The Connors are very adamant that this is not the right way. Later, Sarah has cooled off a little bit, and she thanks Robocop for protecting John. Robocop corrects her and says that he is preventing Skynet, and she should not thank him. Suddenly, a plane crashes into the aircraft carrier. The T-1000 has arrived. As the ship is sinking, the T-1000 is slicing through all the guards on his way to John. Robocop delays him a bit inside of a huge ED-209 type power loader suit. Soon, the reactivated Arnold Schwarzenegger version T-800 Terminator appears, and the two Terminators are battling at it again. Robocop is able to get the two Terminators, Dick Jones, and John Connor all into the room where the acid is. He seals the door, and the T-1000 is able to chop John Connor's head right off. Soon, the acid fills the room, destroying all of the Skynet technology. As the ship continues to sink into the ocean, Robocop tells the hysterical Sarah to leave the ship while she still can. She accuses Robocop of not being Murphy anymore at all, and yet just another heartless robot. She then leaves. As Robocop watches the trapped humans and robots dissolve in the acid, he thinks that perhaps Skynet let him go on this mission because they knew he would eventually kill John Connor himself. He hopes that these sacrifices will be enough to stop Judgment Day and the death of all of humanity. The end. Mm-hmm. So did he do it? Did he stop it or did he cause it? The death of humanity. So first off, this is no powder puff ending. And that's one thing I love about it. This is it's ain't kid stuff. It's layered. It was violent. It was sophisticated. And it had a very unhappy ending because, quite frankly, it's pretty obvious RoboCop was under control of Skynet, and he ensured the ending of humanity, both in the future when he put the bullet through what Lauren's head and in the past when he ensured that the T-1000 had its shot to kill John Connor. So it's very obvious he didn't stop anything, and he was actually an agent of Skynet. And what's really cool is, looking at his face, it's like coming, it dawning on himself that that is possible, that he could have been under control the whole time, but then still trying to make justifications, as humans will do, I thought was was very interesting. (laughs) It was it was a shock to me. Yeah, the, well, the ending and that RoboCop really was just a pawn through the whole thing. Exactly. Okay, good. So you agree that basically he was an agent for Skynet the whole time. Yep. But the human part of him didn't realize it. He was that manipulated by Skynet from his robot part that the human half didn't realize it or or didn't accept it or something. Who knows? Right. It was it was a surprise. And you're yeah. right. It's not a powder puff happy ending. They they went for it. Exactly. But and, it, and in the end the the machines won. It looks like it, yeah. Yes. Because I don't see how he did anything different than what the Connors actually succeeded in doing at the end of Terminator 2. All of the Skynet technology was dissolved in the molten metal in the movie right. and here they're dissolved in the 
acid bath. So what's the difference? The the net ac- outcome should be the same. Right. So I don't but, even see how the human part could think that he succeeded in anything. Exactly, because it actually ends up being the branch of Dick's technology and his autonomous high-tech stuff, obviously, where Skydet's going to come from. Right. As opposed to Cyberdyne. Right. Right? Right. That's yep. the Terminator one. Right. Right. So, uh, um, very interesting. Although, I mean, I guess you could make the statement that, well, the Cyberdyne branch was cut off, so maybe things didn't happen. Maybe Skynet doesn't come to power, but obviously it's going to. Right. Well, we saw in Terminator 3, which had already come out by the time this, this issue yeah. came out, that right. it, it did. I mean, yeah. it wasn't Cyberdyne, but you know the U.S. military and, and other factions were able to still build Skynet, and right. it, Judgment Day still happened. So. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. And, you know, him advancing Omni's consumer products technology so much, so it can only make it happen faster. Yep. Yep. Total fail. Utter fail, RoboCop. Yeah, which, which, is, which yeah. is the reason I did not like this story when I read it the first I, time. I don't blame you <laughs> because I, I know you said you didn't like one of them that much, but when I read this, it was like, Oh, I did not see this coming, and this is cool. <laughs> but, I mean, definitely from a traditional rooting for the good guy kind of thing, and in the end, everything working out, this wasn't that at all, which uh, I actually kind of really enjoyed. Hmm. Right. No, it's good. I, I enjoyed it more this time you know, than I did. The, and to be honest, when I started reading it again, I couldn't remember why I didn't like it the first time. Yeah. Until I got to that third issue and it happened, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. He was just a pawn the whole time. Right. <laughs> yeah, another thing I liked about this issue is when John Connor has his head chopped clean off, including that obnoxious bang of hair that goes over his right eye. Or was it left eye? One of his eyes, anyway. God, that kid was obnoxious in Terminator 2. <laughs> So the kid was or the, the haircut? The kid was. Okay. The, okay. He was a precocious, obnoxious kid in multiple parts of the movie. That was my assessment of him in the movie. And then the bangs, you know, oh, I'm a, I'm a tough, cool kid. And I got the bangs coming over one eye. It's like, I'm so cool. I only need one eye. It's like, God, I hated that. <laughs> I rewatched Terminator after I read this, and, and I had forgotten how annoying he was in that movie. I mean, he's whiny, and he, I mean, yeah. he's a kid. Sure. But I, I'd forgotten. You know, because I was maybe just a little older than he was mm-hmm. when this movie originally came out, so I could kind of relate to him, you know, when I saw the movie the first time. Right. But now as an adult, I'm watching, I'm like, boy, he was whiny. Good thing I was never like that when I was <laughs> his age. <laughs> yeah, right, Donovan. <laughs> never. Anyway. Yeah, so that was my favorite part. I mean, that... And the look on RoboCop's face where Dick is talking to him and he starts realizing what's going on. And like the one eye out of his helmet is looking to the left. It's like, oh, that's cool. Love it. Love it. And I thought Dick was going to end up being a bad guy. Uh, you know, right. come back to being a bad guy. But no, he was actually a, 
he was very human and, and uh, in the end, quite an object of pity and, and really representing the human race in many ways when he gets the knife through his forehead. Right. I thought. And, yeah, and he gets dissolved. Yep. So that must be very slow-acting acid. Right. Because it looks like he's just like in water. I mean, really, because he's he's like he's realizing that he's going to die. He's in here with the T one thousand. Maybe the the acid also was part of it, but that seems to be his main problem, not the fact he is up to his mouth in acid. So very slow working acid. Yeah, and I wasn't quite sure because if it is if it's water and acid mixed together, right? Then is there going to be enough acid to dissolve them all? Yeah, and if water's rushing in, then once the pressure equalizes, why couldn't the T one thousand just Get out anyway. Put himself out. You know, yeah. even if he, he does lose a little bit in the acid, he should still be able to reform. You know, maybe he has to right. be a little kid later. You know, <laughs> he can't make the whole mass of a man, but I don't see why he wouldn't be able to escape in some fashion. Yeah, but if you think about it, why would he escape? His mission is complete. His uh, mission was to kill John Connor, and he's done it. So it's like, okay. Good point. My reason for being here is done, so I'll just shut down now. Yeah, and that's why he kind of smiles at, at RoboCop through the window. Right. Nice job, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, co-worker on the Skynet payroll. Fellow Skynet pawn. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I just really, I really enjoyed it. That was good. Just oh, asks a lot of questions that never gets answered. What happens next? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well... And I think basically what happens next is nothing good. I mean, so basically, she's going to die, and that's it. Bye. John Connor had his head chopped off. He will not be the savior of mankind. People will continue to get killed by the Skynet that does come to fruition, to the point that you're down to one last human being that RoboCop ends up killing. So, so you is, think it- th- this ending is a setup for the first issue. But now that Dick Jones is dead yeah. and the timeline's obviously different, would Alex Murphy in the future ever become RoboCop? Look, are you going to play with me here? <laughs> are you going to play with me on this? Anyway. <laughs> no, yes, of course. It's the old time paradox. If you go back in time and kill your grandfather, you know how could you possibly end up becoming into existence to kill your grandfather? Yes. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. I agree. No. But as Austin Powers advised, and I think we might have mentioned this before in the past, just relax and enjoy the story. Just don't think about it. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyways. All right, anything else? No. Nothing about the the giant power loader type? That was cool. That was cool. I like that. So, you know, obviously... Uh, pulling a Ripley, but with a much bigger, cooler suit. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it, and it, I, I like the way it looked like Ed 209, but had like a pincher arm and uh, the other one's just this gigantic cannon type thing. Right. It was pretty cool. I, I thought it was a interesting design I wasn't expected to see. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd think with an outfit that big, you could actually do something to the T-1000, but no. He's In lit- the end... No. Just need a, a nitro. No, not nitro. Um, 
Oh, liquid nitrogen? Nitrogen, yeah. Right, yeah. I kept thinking well, nitroglycerin, you know, and I'm like, no, that's something different. Okay, so rather than spraying out bullets of the left arm, why don't you load it with acid? Um, <laughs> right, why, don't just... you, why don't you load it like you say, with nitrogen? Spray right. them with nitrogen with the one hand, and then have like a single gun in the right. It's like, if, I mean, if you go into all this trouble, why don't you design something that's going to actually work? Right. Anyways, well, it did work. His mission was completed. He stopped John Connor. <laughs> exactly. It's just not the one you expected. All right. Any other comments? Because that was my last one. No, I'm done. I guess the only comment is um, happy April 1st, April Fool's Day. Yeah. What? April Fool's. Con- oh, is that why we did this? <laughs> yes. I thought we were just going in a new direction. <laughs> I was all happy. <laughs> <laughs> no more than damn. I was really getting tired of Star Trek. I was kind of digging on this Terminator thing. No. Nay, I say. So, um, not that anybody listening would be surprised by this if they have have any history with the podcast, the Star Trek Comic Book Review podcast. But yes, this is just an April Fool's episode, like we do every year. Right. But we're not going to do one next year, so don't expect it. No. We're, we're out of ideas anyway. So, anyways, yeah, we did this just because we're fans of the franchises, and with the new Terminator coming out, we thought... Uh, It'd be a kick to kind of revisit some of these old comic books. Right. So just to give a little justification as to why we did it. Exactly. And, and I had not read this story, this four-issue comic, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, really, you need to go ahead and really fin- read cool. the, uh, the Frank Miller one. I will do that. I think I I'm going to dust off the old Sega Genesis here in a little bit and <laughs> give the old game a go, see how it aged. Cool. So really fun, something different, something entertaining. Like, quite frankly, I think all of the choices we've made on these April Fool's episodes, I think it turned out pretty good. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. The Alienation and Planet of the Apes one was really cool. The Galaxy Quest one was pretty good. The story, I, in the end, I didn't think was as good as, like, this story, but it was so close to Star Trek. It was such an appropriate one to do. Right. I think that worked out really well. Right. And it is funny that fan of the show brian uh he mentioned that every time we do a podcast on april fools it actually somehow comes to be that star trek crosses over with those franchises so we did doctor who shortly after the episode there they announced the star trek doctor who crossover yes and then we did planet of the apes and shortly after that they announced the planet of the apes uh star trek crossover so yes i'm really excited about hopefully them having a robocop or Stop Terminator. <laughs> exactly. I'll take either one. I'll take either one. That's a really good point. That is a very good point. I don't think it will happen, but I didn't think Planet of the Apes would ever cross over either. So uh, here's the hoping. Here's the hoping. Yeah. Well, quite frankly, IDW and other comic book companies, but IDW is just going into some very interesting directions. So I think they're, they and their creative teams are on a very good roll. They have hit a nice stride where they're coming up with a lot of interesting things. Right. Right. And who knows? Maybe RoboCop or Terminator will be next. <laughs> that would be very interesting to see Kirk and company fighting a T-800. 
<laughs> well, if you think about it, it's a phaser. Just set it to disintegrate, and it should be able to take care of anything, but eh. They wouldn't do that. It would, the story would be too short. Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of like the zombie crossover they had with Star Trek, where they could have put phasers on kill and take care of things, or at least put them on and stun and be less threatened. But uh, no, they had a reason for not doing that. Stun wouldn't work on zombies because they don't oh, really right, use right. their nervous system like, oh, that, like that's a stun it, that's would it. disable. Right. Duh, can, come on. Okay, fine, 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 fine. But, <sighs> the, okay, so they didn't use the phasers. <laughs> right. Which they could have. Put it on a wide field, set to kill, and there you go. Well, that's the answer for everything. That's what I say. Every Star Trek story, that's how they should always – they should all be 15 minutes long. Oh, we got a crisis. What set to wide? Set phasers to wide field and exactly. <laughs> well, they did that in Return of the Archons, and it worked okay. At least at one part. Is that the only time they've done the set to the wide? wide field? That's yeah. the that's the only time that I remember them doing it. Mm. They took out a whole bunch of people, set them to sleep. Yay! Very handy. Anyways, all right. So next week we're back in Star Trek mode with uh, Deep Six Nine and Vector Three through Four. Right. Issue 193, right? right? Right. And we also start the Next Generation uh, Killing Shadows miniseries. So hmm. everybody good. who read those, ready for this issue, or this exactly. episode, yeah. we will get to it. Worf in his casual superhero outfit with the cape and everything? Uh, Something to look yeah. forward to. A little, a little spoiler. Jeez. Well, come on. Well, he's on the cover. What do you want? Uh, I, I would think that the T-1000s cameo in Invector would be a bigger... Yeah, you'd think that, wouldn't you? But no. All right. I, I guess you'll just have to listen next week to find out what the heck we're talking about. Or just read the books. You'll know. There you go. Okay. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on The Review. Thank you for listening to RoboCop vs. Terminator comic book review. All stories and characters are copywritten and will be enforced to the fullest extent of the law. Your move, creep. All discussions are for non-profit entertainment purposes only. Excuse me. I have to go. Somewhere there is a crime happening. And... Stay out of trouble.